freshman in January, we were working on Exodus from the year-end studies. So you may not remember a whole lot about Proverbs, and of course some of you haven't been here for that, but that's okay. I think we'll get uh, a lot out of what we'll look at here today, and uh, we're starting at the beginning of the chapter, so that's always uh, a little handy. Uh, but it's good to uh, be together and to be able to uh, share together in these things. Uh, before we uh, begin this morning, let's have a, a word of prayer. Philip, would you lead us in prayer? Our Father, we are so grateful for this time we have to gather as brothers and sisters and study a portion of your word. And Father, we pray that you would open our hearts so that we can absorb your message and that we can be the shining lights of the community that you expect us to be in. We pray that we can build one another up so that we have the strength and the courage to face the world that even when times seem difficult, we're willing to take a stand for you, Father, and we pray that you bless those who have made this weekend possible, and we're so thankful for times like this where we can come and be together as a family. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for your son's ultimate sacrifice on the cross, and we pray that we can walk worthy of that sacrifice. We probably sing your cross name. Amen. Let's uh, review just slightly. Uh, who was the author of the majority of this book? Solomon, and what would you, how would you sum up the theme of uh, Proverbs? What's it about? Don't do dumb things. Yeah, don't do dumb things. I'm thinking of a one-word summary. Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Now, when you think about Proverbs, maybe if you haven't even, you know, not thinking necessarily about our studies of Proverbs so far, but when you just think about the book of Proverbs, what style do you think of when you think of Proverbs? What do you think of Proverbs as containing? Short statements of... Yes, you think of specific Proverbs. You know, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That kind of thing. Where you think of one verse, little you know, nuggets of spiritual wisdom and truth. And Proverbs has a lot of that. There's a lot of those little, you know, two-line uh, sections that give you a, a, a spiritual principle in a little capsule. The first nine chapters of Proverbs, though, are not like that. They are more written in almost semi-narrative style. And uh, what the first nine <coughs> chapters do is two or three things, but one of them is to tell us how important wisdom is. So that when we come to the specific Proverbs, we will pay more attention and we'll see the value of them. You know, it's kind of like before you come to that point, you need to know how important it is that you take these Proverbs principles into yourself and live by them. And so that's some of what we've got in these first nine chapters of Proverbs. And it's especially what we've got in chapter 8. I'm not sure chapter 8 would be the chapter you would first turn to as your favorite chapter of Proverbs. But I think if you'll think of it that way, that really this is wisdom presenting her resume so that you will see how important, how valuable, how critical wisdom is in your life and when you come to the rest of the teachings of Proverbs, you'll want them, you'll crave them, you'll seek to live by them, 
Because if you look at this chapter, wow, wisdom is amazing. Now, when we talk about wisdom in Proverbs, you remember the starting point of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. We are not talking about human philosophy and worldly wisdom. We're talking about God's wisdom. It starts with great respect and fear for God. The starting point for this wisdom is the Lord himself. And he is the source of spiritual wisdom. This is not a smart man you know, figuring things out. This is God showing us the principles by which we should live. And as we'll see a little later, uh, there are principles that are uh, applicable very broadly. Okay, anything you want to say by way of introduction to Proverbs 8? Okay, would somebody read 1 to 5? Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance, the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. So, what is wisdom doing here? <laughs> Trying to get your attention. Very much. And to do that, she's doing what? She's crying out. She's crying out. She is almost yelling. Where is she? She's everywhere, and she's especially where? Yes, in the places where people are. You know, she's uh, on the high places where you know, she can be heard a long ways. She's, she's at the crossroads where lots of people come. You know, she's there at the gates uh, where, where people come in and out of the city. You know, she's at the entrance of the doors. She is in all the most public places. And, and the places where lots of people interact, she's right there crying out. And what does she cry out? Fools learn sense. Yes, she is crying out, appealing to people to learn and practice wisdom. So she is making her appeal very loudly where everybody's going to hear asking people to really apply her and really take advantage of what she's saying. Who is it that she makes that appeal to? Simple-minded fools. The simple-minded and the fools. The people who really need it. You know, the simple, the naive, would have been the people who just don't know. They don't understand. They're kind of lost. And you take naive, simple people, one of the problems with that is often they're very vulnerable to any sales pitch. You know, anybody who comes along and has pretty good confidence that their way is right, they'll swallow it. Well, wisdom is trying to rescue those people and trying to get to those people before they swallow some other line that's going to lead them way off track. And, and sometimes the simple, naive ones are the most important uh, class of people because both wisdom and folly are really talking to those guys, trying to get them to come into their way. The fools, of course, desperately need wisdom to correct their course. And so wisdom's crying out in this way. Now, think about, in practical terms, 
How does wisdom cry out to us? Through the word. Through the word. God has given us this message of wisdom and, and the Lord speaks to us in that. Are there some other ways wisdom cries out to us? Our mistakes. Through our mistakes, when, when wisdom shows us, gives us a hard tumble, when we don't do the right thing, Shane? Through our conscience. Through our conscience. Jason? Absolutely. Our brothers and sisters that have wisdom that appeal to us. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. In creation itself. Uh, and, and so wisdom is, is not a secret thing. Wisdom is right here. Wisdom is appealing to us if we will listen. But the problem is, when we are here at the crossroads, and we're in the public places, there are so many people crying out to us. There are so many different appeals. And it's a challenge to us to make the right choice to listen to wisdom. So what wisdom is really doing in this chapter as I said, was like presenting a resume. This is autobiographical. Wisdom herself is speaking and showing us why we ought to take advantage of her. I mean, that's what you've got. You've got competing voices. You've got different philosophies, different ideas that are all appealing to you. They're all kind of saying, listen to me. Come to me. I'm the one you ought to follow. And they're giving you the reasons. Here's why it's good to go my way. Well, this is wisdom's appeal, why we ought to go wisdom's way. Now, in the context, those of you who can remember chapter 7, what was chapter 7? Yes, and described as an adulterous woman. And was she making an appeal? Oh, yeah. She took that naive simpleton who stumbled across her path and wow, she did quite a number on him, quite a sales job, and led him right down to her house, which is the shortcut to death and destruction. Now, do you see contrasts and comparisons between the adulterous, immoral woman in chapter 7 and uh, wisdom in chapter 8? Are they leading in different directions? Whoa! Totally different! One is leading to immorality and death, the other one to integrity and faithfulness and life. You know, you see the immoral woman in chapter 7, <laughs> deceptive, secret. You see wisdom open, honest, you just see quite a contrast. I'm not going to belabor that, but you can look for that yourself. And you kind of see those two appeals set together, and wow, they are really different. And you're going to have that too. We are all going to face an appeal to do really things that are wrong, that God doesn't want us to, but there's going to be a strong appeal. There's going to be things in us, there's going to be things around us that are going to call on us, do the wrong thing. And then you've got the Lord, and you've got wisdom, and you've got some good brothers who are calling on us to do the right thing. And that's just really a challenging decision. But it means everything. What path we take always determines what? 
the path we take determines where we go. Where we go. Now, I want to say one more thing, and then I'll open it up for you to talk. In the New Testament, who is it that really embodies God's wisdom? Jesus. Now, I don't think this is Jesus here. I think this is wisdom personified. But I think if you want to see wisdom personified, Jesus is a great place to look. I'll just notice with you three quick passages that show that. In Matthew chapter 12, and in verse 42, the queen of the south will rise up with this generation. The judgment will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus was wiser than Solomon, and that was no small feat. In Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, talking about Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus is to us wisdom from God. So if you want to look at wisdom in action, look at Jesus. All right, comments and questions on those first five verses. Josh. You can see even in chapter 1 where he's this way. Wisdom leads to life and wickedness leads to wouldn't everybody choose wisdom? So why do people choose the other direction? It's confusion over what wisdom is. Sometimes confusion over what wisdom is. It's easier. It's easier and it's more fun, instant gratification, exactly. The way of wickedness seems really appealing, seems really exciting, it offers adventure, it offers a lot of uh, gain, it offers what you want, it offers pleasure, it offers comradeship, it offers all kinds of short-term, you know, exciting things. Now, mostly it doesn't even deliver many of those things, but it seems like it's going to, and so that's the appeal. And, and, and wisdom, what does it offer in the short run? Hardships and discipline and sacrifice. Really good, you're doing the right thing, but it's not as thrilling to think about walking the way of wisdom in the first few steps. 
And that's where it's, you know, I've used this illustration lots of times, but you think about this and how, how just <laughs> foolish this would be. You come to a crossroads and you're trying to decide which direction to go. Well, what, how foolish it would be. You're right here and you say, you know, I could go this way or this way or this way. And you look down the road that way. You look down the road that way. You look down the road that way. You know, that way looks a lot more fun. You know, that way looks like it's, or maybe it's easier, maybe it's more shade, maybe it's downhill. You know, whatever. I think I'll go that way. Do you ever do that? Only if you have no concern about where you end up. You have any interest in ending up in a particular place. Your question is, where is this going to take me? Not, do I like the looks of the road? You know, so... We want to know where these roads going to take us, not which one seems more appealing in the short run. We got to think that way. Other thoughts? I think the uh, temptation might be verse five. I'm not a simpleton. I'm not a fool. So why do I need to listen to wisdom? But I like the transition from verse four. My cry is to the children of man, and then she clarifies: You're all simpletons in some way without me. You're all fools unless you hear these wise words. Absolutely. Pride and self-sufficiency is terrible because then we don't think we need it. And we do. Other thoughts? I think it's interesting that we see wisdom uh, is not passive. It's, uh, it's calling out. It's like proclaiming itself and so that you can't just claim like, oh, I never knew or I never was exposed to anything. And uh, We're also kind of responsible for that as ones who have like heard the call of wisdom to help propagate the call and like call to others and uh, spread the, the call of wisdom. Very much so. You know, you see wisdom in the Lord, you know, very loud, very much seeking out people. You know, wisdom doesn't just sit there and just wait for somebody to stroll past or wait for somebody to knock on the door. Wisdom is out seeking uh, you know, converts. Is not trying to find people to bless them with her. It's exactly what we need to be. It's not a matter of, well, you know, if somebody came to me and asked me, you know, how to, how to serve the Lord, I'd tell them we need to be out proclaiming God's wisdom, just like you see in this chapter. Good point. Other thoughts? Okay, would somebody read 6 to 11? Listen, for I speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choices gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. What's wisdom doing right there? <clears throat> Advertising her wares. Exactly! She's making an appeal based upon her attributes, based upon her virtues, as to why you would want to choose her. She's presenting her qualifications for the position of being the guide in your life. 
Now, she's not doing that because she's stuck up and she just likes to tell how great she is. She's doing that because she knows you need her and she's going to have to show you how helpful she'll be to you for you to choose her. And what's the first thing wisdom does in verse 6? Yes, she speaks, she opens her mouth, and she starts talking to try to bring people to wisdom. <laughs> Think about us in that. You know, if we're like God, we're always talking to try to persuade people to follow the way of wisdom. You know, the goal is not silence. There are times when silence is a good goal. Proverbs will say that a lot. But a good word is very beneficial and wisdom is speaking because she is trying to influence us in the right direction. Now, what does wisdom say about herself that would make us want her? What's she like? Righteous. She is righteous. She always says the right thing, the truthful thing. Wisdom's first concern is not persuasiveness. How can I get them to want me? Her first concern is not success. How can I get the most people to follow me? Her number one concern is to say the right, truthful thing. Now that's important for us as we spread the gospel. Sometimes we're focused on, how can I get more people? Well, there's ways of getting more people if you offer some foolishness along with it, because that's what most people like. But wisdom is not doing that. Wisdom is always speaking the truth. And, and there, as, he, as, as wisdom says in 8 and 9, all the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. She never is crooked. She never bends the truth a little bit to make a point. She never has a hidden agenda. There's no fine print with wisdom. She is, she is just absolutely honest. She's straightforward. She's direct. Isn't that what we need to be? And that's cool to see wisdom like that. You know, so think about the beginning of her appeal right here. If you're thinking of like six to nine, wisdom is really getting started trying to get us to want to follow her. But it's interesting how she makes the appeal, how she begins it. She doesn't begin her appeal by saying, oh, this will benefit you so much. It will. And eventually she'll say that in certain ways. But the beginning of her appeal is basically what? This is what's right. This is what's right. This is what's true. That, it, it, it's the quality of her words. It's not, oh, this will do this and this and this for you. But the thing she prides herself in most is she always says the right thing. That's what we need to do as well. You know, that's the most important reason to listen to wisdom. It's right. The most important thing isn't, well, it'll really help you out. Man, it'll really make things smooth. I'll tell you what, you'll be so much happier if you follow wisdom, and you'll have so many more friends, and... No. The number one reason to follow wisdom is the right thing. It's always true. It has integrity and character. 
And if we if we follow wisdom mostly because we think, man, I'll be happy and I'll be this and I'll be that, we won't follow her long. Comments and questions through verse 9. Look at 10 and 11 as he says, Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice of gold. I, I don't know. Gold and silver don't mean a whole lot to me, but you know money does. And uh, gold's high these days, I understand. You know, if you had a pretty good chunk of gold, whoa, you could trade that in on a lot of bucks. And, and those things are things that really are appealing to us. But she says, oh, wisdom's better than jewels. All desirable things cannot compare with her. You know, would you rather have riches or wisdom? <laughs> That's a tough choice. But the truth is, wow, wisdom's worth way more. You think about all the long hours and hard work people put into to get more money and stuff. Wow, we ought to be, be putting even more effort into wisdom. That's where it's really at. That's so much more valuable in the long run. So she is really trying to show us why we ought to, to follow her way. Comments and thoughts through 11? Dan. Oh, we see, I guess it's the world that the reason a lot of people learn and grow in, in knowledge and you know wisdom is so that they can get money, um, so that they can have a job here. But we see in this passage that you know wisdom in and of itself it's such a great blessing that that should be the reason why we're wanting to learn. That should be the main motivator behind our, our growing and our learning. Amen. Good point. There are a lot of cool parallel passages to this idea. Like Job 28 talks a lot about the jewels and things that uh, it's better than. 28 and verse 17 it says, Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned. And the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in, in pure gold. Um, and then it goes on to talk about that coming from the Lord. Yeah. No doubt about it. Wisdom's worth way more than other stuff. But how many of us put in the kind of time and effort to get wisdom <laughs> that we put in to get stuff? And for us, mostly getting wisdom, a lot of that involves this book right here. Meditating and studying and listening to those who can help us understand it and so forth. Do we really value it? Does our, do we show that it's that important to us? You know, how many of you guys have a job? How many of you guys who don't have a job wish you did? Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much all of us. You know, you really love to work, right? <laughs> what do you mostly like? <laughs> what it gives you. If we want that how much more intensely, we ought to dedicate ourselves to learning the word and to growing in it so we can really know God's wisdom. All right, would somebody read 12 to 21? I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. 
by me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Okay. So, look at wisdom. She keeps good company. When you pursue wisdom, what comes with her? Good company. Good company. Like what? Prudence. Prudence and knowledge, knowledge and discretion. You know, you get a lot thrown in in the package with wisdom. And, uh, she hates evil and pride and arrogance in the evil way. Some things ought to be hated. And wisdom is so pure and so God-centered that these things that are against the Lord, wickedness and pride, she just can't stand them. You know, wisdom is not a matter of intellect. It's a moral thing. And godly wisdom just can't stand these other things. And, and wisdom goes along with Counsel, verse 14, and sound wisdom, and understanding, and power. And then look at verses 15 and 16. What, as wisdom is kind of, uh, you know, showing her resume, what are some of the great accomplishments of wisdom? Yes, wisdom is the standard for good government. Wisdom helps kings and, and government officials reign and rule. Um, so, so wisdom's had a lot of impact. Think about that. What would Solomon know about wisdom as a key for the reign of a king? What wouldn't he know? Yeah. I mean, he saw that. Wow. If you want to lead people, you need wisdom. That's a key to that. Um, there's, there's tons of passages you could look at. But Deuteronomy 34.9 Now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses laid his hands on him and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. That's what Joshua needed to lead the people. God filled him with wisdom. Wisdom is, is so vital to, to good government. And then you look at the, the things that, that wisdom does in verse 17. What does it take to get wisdom? Seeking it diligently. Seeking it diligently. Now when you think about seeking wisdom diligently, what does that bring to your mind? You work hard. What else? Work long. Work long. Getting wisdom is not a get wise quick scheme. You know... Don't try to go the cliff notes for wisdom route. You know, it doesn't work. You have to really seek her, and you have to seek her diligently. It's a long-term, steady process. But she's accessible. You know, she, those who diligently seek me will find me. If you really pursue God's wisdom, you really constantly seek to know God's will and God's insight and you just do that over a long period of time. You're dedicating yourself to getting her. God promises it. You'll, you'll find her. 
You'll receive this wisdom. And, and you'll get a lot of things thrown in. 